0: Welcome back to Science and Magic, the films of Studio Ghibli. Uh, I am Neil, one of your co-hosts. I'm joined, as always, by my fellow co-host Jamie. Say hi, Jamie. Hi. And we are literally a man down. Uh, we're, we're sans Rubin today. Uh, uh, we'll, 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 we'll get on to that in a second. But we are joined wonderfully by a fantastic guest, uh, Crystal. Say hello, Crystal. Hello. How are you, Crystal?
1: Oh too bad
0: excellent now crystal i'm gonna ask you guys a question so prepare yourself uh but we'll go jamie first uh jamie have you ever delivered a fake cat to anyone
2: a fake cat
0: a fake cat
2: um that's a great question i don't think even you're I a have. real cat
0: pretending to be a fake cat that right
2: that that seems like something i might have done but i just can't remember exactly
0: well, you know these things slip the mind. Yeah, it happens. These often. everyday occurrences—that's yeah, exactly. fine. Uh, Crystal, what is your finest baking moment?
1: Oh, my finest baking moment. Crystal is a
2: really good cook,
0: so. Well, there were. It must be so many baking moments. It's uh, difficult <laughs> yeah, to pin one down. Like... <sighs> Any good pies?
1: Well, I. I Okay, this is gonna sound weird. I love baking, but I actually really dislike cake. <laughs> that's a quandary, I am, isn't it? Yeah, I am, I'm I'm the contradiction of myself. <laughs> but I did bake a very beautiful like hazelnut um Swiss cake for my husband for his birthday, Ooh, which
0: hazelnut Swiss w- cake.
1: Yeah, it it turned out really like I like because I got new baking pans and they just mm. came out so well. Like the sponge was the right texture, the right you know, it wasn't dried out. I did good with the buttercream. I did good with all the hazelnut. I learned next time not to use quite as much shaved chocolate. I was just trying to follow closer (laughs) to the recipe as my first, you know, time out, but it came out perfect. And so I was like, yes.
0: Sounds dreamy. It really does sound like something from uh, Osono's bakery, I have to say um that's right folks we are talking today about kiki's delivery service um and as i say we are a man down jamie have you seen reuben anywhere isn't
2: he uh, last time i saw him he was being dragged into the forest by these raccoons he was screaming oh, something God. but i couldn't hear it
0: <laughs> was he covered in ball sack or i don't know uh, <laughs> um he wasn't like he, he hasn't been baked into a herring and uh, pie or what what is in that pie and we'll get to herring
1: the- and pumpkin <laughs>
0: pumpkin pie we'll get there um the i will let you listeners in on a a little we'll we'll pull the curtain back a little bit here we have recorded this episode already uh once before um but there was a little technical glitch we lost Ruben's audio which is ironic because now we've lost Ruben completely (laughs) (laughs) um we did so is
2: Ruben, right? It was sped up or something. It was like double. It was time. super
0: fast. Yeah. yeah, it was all in double time. Uh, and rather than just get Ruben to re-record his audio on a solo track, we thought that might be tricky. We're just gonna re-record it again. But we couldn't get we couldn't get hold of him. He's mysteriously disappeared. Magic must be involved. Um, so we're pressing ahead. And what we'll do, we will get Ruben's thoughts on Kiki because it's important. Uh, and we'll we'll tag it on to the end of this episode. So stay tuned after the end of the episode uh, for a little bit of Ruben and his thoughts on uh, Kiki. I don't know if it'll be a, like a soliloquy or something like that, or maybe Jamie and I are just asking a bunch of questions or something mm-hmm. like that. I'm not sure, but we'll we'll figure something out. We'll, so you're not uh, we're not quite rid of Ruben <laughs> quite yet, uh, but here we are talking about Kiki's delivery service. Uh, uh jamie you're on plot duty before you we do that just a, a little bit of the, the the background to this one and this is from a book uh by japanese author eiko kanodo um who who subsequently went on to write five sequels um off the back of the strength of the first and probably also the strength of well, certainly the strength of the movie itself so there's the initial book then this movie and then uh uh, Eiko Konodo decided to write some more. Why not? Um, the Japanese name for this movie is Meijo no Takuyubin, um, which translates as the witch- witch's delivery service, Meijo being witch, and this just makes sense, Jamie, from a linguistic perspective, Mage, Meijo. Mm-hmm. I like that. Um, no,
2: probably not from the same language.
0: Possibly not. I think is,
2: I don't know if it's Latin or Greek, but... I don't think it's Japanese.
0: But it can't, I can't, no, but there, surely that can't be a coincidence. Meijo being...
2: I don't know. That's a good question. Know. It's an interesting... It is to, Latin. It? It's Latin magus. Magus. Yeah.
0: Meijo. Yeah, there you go. The wonderful world of language, folks. Um, Takiubin is an interesting one because in Japanese, that is the, the name for a door-to-door delivery service. Um, the most prominent provider of of which uh, in Japan is uh, Yamato transport uh, who and if you ever see you'll see if you go to Japan you'll see this the their logo all over the place and their logo is a little black mother cat we carefully carrying her little black kitten in her mouth and uh, that's it's a really cute logo and you see it everywhere on their on their vans um, Miyazaki, uh, we're here with, with another Miyazaki folks. Uh, you'll be pleased to know Miyazaki was originally only supposed to produce this one. Um, but he, he literally couldn't find anyone else that could do it properly in his mind, his view perfectionist that he is. Uh, and so, you know, if you want something done properly, uh, get Miyazaki to do it basically. So he did it himself. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's it for background. Uh, Jamie, uh, you want to briefly uh, go through what uh, happens in this one?
2: Yeah. Um, so this is one of the shorter plots, I think. Mm. So I'll be I'll be brief, and if I miss okay. anything, you guys like,
0: please, we'll pick
2: it up. Uh, in the... Please yeah. jump in. Right. Um, so it starts out with Kiki. She just turned thirteen, and she has realized that it's time for her to leave home, as is traditional for a young witch. So uh, she tells her parents goodbye, and they. You know, they're a little sad, but they're not surprised. And she and her little black cat named Gigi take off on a broomstick, um, have some really cute adventures on their way to arriving at the city of Kuriko. And then uh, Kiki's kind of looking for somewhere to live, trying to find where she's going to start building her new life here. And she briefly meets a boy on a bicycle named Tombo, who... Uh, she hates instantly in the manner that yep. I think we can all tell means that she's probably going to fall in love with him by the end of the movie. So eventually Kiki winds up meeting a who is uh, the owner of a bakery and a has her deliver something and then is so excited by it that she offers her accommodation and she lets Kiki open up a witch delivery business where she delivers different goods by broomstick.
0: Yep. Kiki's Um, Delivery Service.
2: Kiki's Delivery Service, yep. (laughs) And, uh, you know, her little cat accompanies her on many of these things. Mm. But on her first delivery, um, she's asked to deliver a black cat toy. And she gets caught up in a gust of wind while she's enjoying the magic of flying and accidentally drops the toy into the forest. Mm -hmm. So as a result, Gigi gets to pretend to be the toy Um, delivered to the house while Kiki searches for the real toy and uh, there's this whole part where this horrible child tries to mess with Kiki or uh, with Gigi rather and uh, his heroic dog helps out what a dog (laughs) great dog can't believe how Mm -hmm. terrible that child is Um, so meanwhile Kiki is searching for the toy and she finds it I think on the roof of the house of a painter, um, this young woman named Ursula. And
0: it's in the window. It's in Ursula's window. Yeah. So oh, Ursula that's window. Somewhere, right? That's
2: right. Yep. Um, and so Ursula mends it, and then uh, she gives it back to Kiki so she can complete the delivery. And she's able they to make, do that and rescue Kiki. Yeah.
0: They make friends. Yeah.
2: yeah. Ursula is a, yeah, just like kind of a cool young lady who she makes friends with. From um, the forest. From the forest, yeah. She's very like, she has like strong cottagecore lesbian vibes to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so then, what happens next? Let's see, then Kiki gets invited to a party by Tombo. Mm. Um, but she works herself so hard and becomes exhausted that she gets sick and misses out on the party. Um, and then when she recovers, Asono kind of sets up Kiki and Tombo by mm. assigning a delivery to, uh, for Kiki to take to Tombo. Yep. Um, Kiki apologizes for missing the party, and then Tombo takes her for a test ride on his flying machine, which is a bicycle flying machine. It's very, <laughs> it's very Wright Brothers.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, and you can tell that Kiki's kind of getting into Tombo, but his friends are kind of jerks, so she leaves and walks mm. home. Meanwhile, I think that this is when Gigi is like hanging out with a lady cat. <laughs>
0: yeah and yeah. like
2: having his own awakening, um, and Kiki realizes that she cannot understand Gigi anymore.
0: Um, a little moment. We'll get we've got a lot to talk about with that. Yeah, yeah piece.
2: yeah, yeah. And she also kind of loses her flying ability and she's not able to do her delivery business. So Ursula comes to see her and uh, takes her off to the forest for a little bit and teaches mm. her about artists, like writer's block, or I guess you would say artist mm-hmm. block. Artist block. Yep. Um, and says that if Kiki can find a new purpose in her life, then she'll regain her powers. So then, yeah. um, back in the city, Kiki is making a delivery, and she sees a live news report of an airship accident. This is like when mm. the plot suddenly all returns very quickly. Um, yeah. she, she realizes that Poor Tombo is strapped to this like hanging mooring line or holding onto this hanging mooring line from this Zeppelin. Mm. Um, And Kiki manages to rush to the scene. She borrows a broom from someone and is able to fly up and rescue him and regains her powers and her confidence. Yeah. And then a thing happens with Gigi, which we can discuss.
0: We can discuss, and then and then you get this the montage that I guess we'll talk about later. But yeah, that's that's it, isn't it? That's the end. That's that is the movie. Yeah. Um, yeah.
2: She also she has like a friendship with an old lady, which doesn't really fit in the plot, but it's very charming.
0: Well, that does serve a purpose, I think. These old ladies. Yeah. Um, but but we'll we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, what I will put to you too is that I going back to the very start the, the, i was we're, we're straight away it's like a cold open isn't it we're straight into this world of of um of witches basically we're not in the town yet we're in this witches kind of villagey thing mm-hmm. where everyone knows exactly what's happening um everyone's in on it and this whole scene where she leaves home is all for me exposition done exactly the right way because it doesn't feel like exposition but when you look at it all it's doing is it's telling you how this world works right like 13 year old witches they're supposed to leave Mm -hmm. right at one point and and now Kiki's ready and off she goes on her own and that's how Miyazaki gets her with all the baggage that she's got in terms of all her kind of witchy witchiness into this town where witches are not common so she's gone from a place that's super common with witches and everyone knows what's going on, gets her into this place where she's on her own. And Miyazaki does this a lot in his movies. He takes someone out of their comfort zone, puts them in an awkward situation and, and treats us as to how they, they get on. And that's, that, my take of that opening was that it's, it's just beautifully done. You don't think that you're getting told really much you just think it's a really nice kind of way that it's being done but you really are getting told indoctrinated into this world
2: Mm -hmm. that's what i think yeah i i like that point and that uh when you get to the town like no one has to be like oh my god a witch like there's not like this big exposition that happens about that either
0: yeah they all know that witches exist they just don't have one in their town Mm -hmm. at this point Crystal, what do you think? Do you buy this whole uh, scene-setting, world-building stuff?
1: Oh, yeah. Like, one thing I think that's really interesting about this, too, is with, like, Kiki and setting up... You you see what her mother does, and she knows how to make potions, and that's not Kiki's specialty. And Mm. you've learned that, hey, she wants to go out and do this thing, and she's like, hey, I'm doing it now. And her parents are like, what? We thought you were doing it (laughs) next month. Right. She's like no, now's the best time, the full moon like she just wants everything to be as perfect as possible. Mm. Mm. Yeah. For her, for her setting out for her, you know, going out to be an adult now and so she's like going from like this tiny town where everybody knows who she is they know what her mom does they know what witches are all about and she's like yeah I'm gonna go do this thing the thing I really like is her transition from the small town to the bigger town is when she's flying and she encounters the other young witch who's already been a year (laughs) into her training (laughs) yeah I always think It's, like, another way to show, like, somebody else who's already started on the journey Mm -hmm. and is almost at the end of, like, her sort of starting out and sort of, like, the difference between, like, Kiki. And to me, she's, like, kind of naive and doesn't know exactly what's going to go on. Yeah. And she learns a little bit from the other witch. And I know, like, Gigi says, oh, that cat and her are so stuck up and everything. (laughs) And I'm, like... Yeah, but I'm like also at the same time, like the other gal knows what she's, you know, the younger witch knows what she's doing and Mm -hmm. how she did it. And she feels very confident in what she did, which I think. Kiki, in a way, is like, oh, I want that confidence and everything. And oh, gosh, look how big your town is. And when she finally mm-hmm. gets to the other town, she's like, yes, this is what I want. The town by the ocean, this is perfect. We're not going anyplace else. And yeah. Gigi always sounds like to me, that voice is like, are you sure? And she's like, heck yeah, I'm sure this is where we're meant to be. And I do like, too, you learn that witches aren't a big thing there. Like the old man in the clock tower is all like, mm-hmm. Oh, a witch! I haven't seen a witch in these parts since you know my grandma or something. And you're right. like, "Whoa!" So you're like, "It's been a long time." So she just kind of strikes a nerve, but also at the same time, people don't know how to respond to her in a way because.
0: Well, yeah, they haven't seen one for a, while, a witch for a while, right? And but but yet yeah, they all know about witches. It's not no one freaks out exactly. when they see yeah. her riding a brimstick. What. What's really interesting then for me is that when she gets to the town and she starts to very, you know, initially interact with the people of the town, townsfolk, uh, one might say, um, it's, a, it's not how she thought it would be. They're not super friendly. They're a bit standoffish, at least initially. There's one kind of kindly old lady that kind of says, you oh, know, good luck or whatever. Um, but yeah, they're, they're a bit mean. Then she gets kind of like a run in with the policeman. And and, you know, Tombo comes kind of to the to the rescue a little bit on that one, but it's not the it's it's not the auspicious start that she thought it might be, and that I think sets her off on this path, um, which ultimately leads to where we're going to get to with Kiki, and where she has to kind of recover herself from. But to me, you know, I think she thought, oh, it'll be great. I'll go. I'll get into this town everyone will love me. I'll be the witch about town helping people out learning and developing and all that. And it just doesn't happen like that. And it's how she kind of deals with that initially. It's quite interesting.
2: Yeah. I haven't thought about it this way, even though we talked about this movie before, I didn't think about how much it was about her, like having these big expectations and them Mm -hmm. all being subverted. So that's really interesting.
0: I mean, this whole, to me, this whole movie is not really about her being a witch at all. It's, it's really not i mean witchcraft in this movie is a very small part of this movie she can fly we don't she can fly <laughs> that's about it right yeah. i mean we see the mum like you say crystal we we see your mum do potions her mum mm-hmm. seems to be a potion person right her dad i don't think is magical at all he doesn't there's no there's no suggestion that he is
2: i don't think you know, men are magical in this
1: universe
0: oh really yeah. maybe it's only the women huh? yeah. okay
1: Yeah, I get the feeling that he's just a normal, normal dad dude. He goes to the office and does, like, normal work for whatever (laughs) it is in the area they live. Yes. Just 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 dad stuff. Yeah, Yeah, like, you bringing up the stuff about, like, her going to the big town and such, too. One thing that I think is interesting for Kiki is her expectations and her point of perspective is different because she comes from a very pastoral location. like. She mm. runs everywhere. She just hops out into the street because that's just what you do because there's no traffic in her area. There's like what, mm. one guy on a bicycle that she sees or a tiny car when she's running home. Right. But then when she gets to the big city, it's just throngs of people and she doesn't understand how traffic works. Like, I remember right. like the first time when she's going to the store, she just runs out into traffic <laughs> and almost gets her and Gigi splattered. <laughs> and she's like, yeah. we're all okay now. And, and Gigi's like, you just ran into, out into traffic. And they just don't realize that because yeah uh-huh. her, what she thinks is her expectation of yeah this grand adventure everyone's gonna love me it's gonna be great i'm gonna just be so successful but then the reality sits in of the situation she's like i think she feels like she's in a little over her head when she first gets there
0: it's, it's definitely it's overwhelming for her and these city folk are standoffish as city folk tend to be right um and uh you know everyone's always nicer in the country aren't they isn't that right <laughs> So. So she's she's just overwhelmed by it, and and quite quickly, and you and you know you as a viewer are kind of so engaged with it because it's it's a very engaging kind of journey she's initially going on, and uh, and and all of a sudden evening is a, approaching right, and she's like, well, what's she gonna do? Where's she gonna stay? And you know it's it's kind of fortuitous that she happens to kind of walk up to um to asano's bakery. Mm-hmm. I forget the actual Japanese name of the bakery, but there is one. I can't remember what it is um but and she has that interaction with Osono and and you know delivers the, the pacifier for the baby what to me what's interesting about that is um is the way that Miyazaki handles it and cuz from a screenwriting perspective you know Kiki goes and delivers this pacifier she goes off on the broomstick down the hill right hands it over to the lady now and in fact Gigi has a line here which says like, okay, let's, like, let's, let's just go now. We can leave. And he means like, let's just go off and leave, leave either leave town or, go, or head somewhere else. But she doesn't. And, and Miyazaki's like, well, okay, well, he, he has to have a way to get her back to the bakery, right? And so he does that by the note that the mother gives back to Kiki to deliver back to Osono. And the note just says, Thank you very much. <laughs> That's it, right? Yeah. But that was. We, I, I love what,
1: your new delivery girl.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. And she's like, Oh, okay, great. And that, But that was, I think, a really clever way for, for Miyazaki just to get her back to where she is and to kind of almost kind of like solidify that relationship between Kiki and Asuna, which is going to be so pivotal uh, throughout this movie.
2: So, Crystal. Uh- We haven't talked about it on the podcast, but I know that you are an artist. Yes. Um, And I wonder if you could talk to us a little bit about, like, the artistry of the movie or, like, what some of your Mm. favorite parts are Uh, in terms of, like, animation and drawing.
1: Well, overall, I think this is something that's always been said about most Ghibli films is just the backgrounds of films. Like, Mm. they're all beautifully, you know rendered and always have like just the right sort of amounts of details to like sort of show things i always like that even thing is beautiful everything still has a very sort of lived in feel to me like mm. i love the bakery i love all like the way that the cases are lined up and how the treats are lined up and things and how you go to the back of the bakery and see where the bread is actually made and the sort of like in-home touches mm. and even like where she goes and stays I like just like the sort of like Asano commenting. Oh, it's dustier than I thought it used to be, and we haven't used this for a while. But I love the way she clean, you know, cleans it up because I guess that's another mm. thing I just kind of like about Ghibli films too is that almost domesticity of things. Like, mm-hmm. there's a lot of like cleaning mm-hmm. and you know mm-hmm. chores of thing and food I don't know. I'm one, yeah. I'm one of those people who like as much as sometimes like dishes suck. I also don't mind doing the dishes. It gives me time to think.
0: <laughs> mm. Yeah, nice.
1: Yeah, and so I i guess that's one thing I just like about it, too, and just, like, a lot of quiet moments. Ghibli mm-hmm. films always have that sort of thing where it's not always go, 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 go. There's always mm. moments where you just can stop and reflect, and I think it kind of ties into stuff I want to talk about later when we talk mm. more, more about, like, Ursula and such and what she talks about, like, artistry and such, but I think... I am too, I am still, I love 2D animated films, 3D mm. animated films can be great too, but there's something about, especially from Kiki since it was what, made in 1988, it's mm. all hand drawn, so everything's still done on yeah. sale cells with all the, the everything's hand painted and everything, and there's something in the quality of the way paint records, and there's a little nicks and scratches and such when you are recording for the cells to do the animation that just does not replicate with modern techniques, with modern mm. cell coloring on the computer and such. It's just, it's not quite the same and I really, really miss it.
2: Mm-hmm. Can I ask a dumb question?
1: Mm.
2: You can't do, th- can you make a 3D animation non-digitally?
1: Um, I would say stop motion. Okay. All right. Yeah, Which, nice. Yeah, like, stop motion is, like, three-dimensional, but you still... And you have to work with it. I think... Mm-hmm. Like Wallace and of, Gromit. Wallace and yeah. Gromit. Um, Coraline is one of the... You know, mm. Corpse Bride. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of those, oh, I can't remember the studio's name now. Is it Lock, Lockia? Lockia? I can't say it now. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I don't know. Who made Coraline? No, I don't know. I mean...
1: Yeah, th- th- they're all the same studio that that, that, that made that. And, okay. I mean, it, it it ties back into, like... Old like movies that used to use stop motion animation, like Chasing and the Argonauts and such. Like, I yeah. love those as a kid the, because
0: the, the old Ray Harry has and stuff.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Doing all the Sinbad movies and such. So, <laughs> I, I have a soft spot too for stop motion things because if you do it well enough, people are like, oh, it's, you know, all 3D computer. And it's like, no, somebody painstakingly moved it a little bit, took a picture, moved wow, yeah. it a little bit, took a picture. Yeah. And
2: that's why the, amazing, I yeah. love Wallace and Gromit movies. And I love Shaun the Sheep. And uh, <laughs> I just, like, I can't believe how long it must take to make those movies.
0: Well, we, we um, Jamie, uh, had a podcast uh, or we recorded an episode on someone else's podcast about Miyazaki movies. Um, oh, with, was that John? Uh, with, and- with, with John Ingle and, mm-hmm. uh, and Mitch Bryant. Uh, their podcast, uh, you, you can find that on their Alien Minute Patreon. Um, and we talked about what they call a quad factor, which is four great movies by a director in a row. And it's harder than you think to kind of find one. We, we, we did conclude that Miyazaki does have a quad factor, and it starts with this one. It starts with Kiki. And next up is Porco. Porco Rosso is all um, hand-drawn as well, same as this uh his next one is princess mononoke where you start to get some cgi coming in uh and then the next one is the fourth is spirited away um where you get more cgi it's those two those last two are a combination of hand drawn and some cgi elements and then you kind of going on beyond that to more uh more cgi it's kind of getting more and more cgi and then he gets to ponyo in 2008 and he's like sub this cgi I don't like it anymore going to change it and it's all uh it's all back to hand drawn again um we'll get there in this podcast but there you go so it, it's it is interesting how his own kind of journey developed along that uh, path as well
2: mm-hmm. yeah i just wanted to say my favorite scene in terms of like the artistry of it i think is the scene mm. um, where she is flying to do the toy cat delivery and all right. of the geese are flying with her. <laughs>
0: oh, beautiful, yeah. I just think yeah. it's
2: so beautiful. I also love geese, so that helps, but they're, like, so beautifully drawn, and the way that they're moving in, like, mm-hmm. a wave together is so beautiful. So I just want to put that one in there. I always
1: have to laugh, though. Mm-hmm. I always feel like they treat the geese so mean when Gigi's like, oh, they're telling me that there's this gust coming, and the gust comes, mm-hmm. and they just, like, violently throws them off screen. Like, mm-hmm. the, even the geese <laughs> are expecting how violent it is, and it's like... Chaos, and then you see him so high up. But that moment, I was like, Oh, I always feel so sorry for the keys at that part. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, they do try and warn her, don't they? And Gigi says so as much, doesn't he? He's, he's,
1: mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: he said, Well, they did try and warn us, they did tell us it was coming. <laughs> they, this is, of course, on her way uh, to make her first delivery. My favorite, my favorite kind of artistic element of this movie is, um, is. Is the town itself right, and it's it's one of the first ones we get of, of a Miyazaki European style uh, town. Uh, it's, it's it's Austrian or Germanic in some way. Um, Sweden,
1: Sweden's the is Swedish. You, is yeah, if you've it, ever watched the. Um, in the at least on the Blu-ray special features, they mm. talk about going with a couple of like their background artists to like Sweden right. and a couple of other countries to yeah. just take reference pictures a lot. It's I, I highly recommend it. It's it's a it's a fun watch just to get see what their inspiration is. But yeah,
0: oh brilliant! I probably, should probably probably should have watched that.
1: <laughs> I love watching That's special right. features on these sort <laughs> of things because I'm like, what's the nitty gritty behind the scenes? I I like how things. I like how to learn how things are made. <laughs> yeah,
0: I always forget that they have these special features. I'm just like click on the movie, like press play. I was yeah, they have these yeah. Things. But there you go. So that's perfectly makes perfect sense. So yeah, you know, so it's in this case Scandinavian uh, uh, architecture. But the the fact that they that they designed this entire town from scratch um, with you know to the degree where they're kind of you know designing the roads and how the cars move and the traffic. Um, all the way through. And, and, you know, you see close-ups um, that actually fit the design as well. And then you, you see from Kiki's kind of point of view when she's soaring up in the sky, you see it, you know, from far away and you see, okay, yeah, it's the same town. You've got the thing on the the the, the little tower on the top. You've got, you know, the hills where the bakery is. You've got the kind of main part of the town with the market in the middle. Uh, it's just wonderful. I mean, it's, how do you design an entire city and then draw it? and animate it such that in individually in, in on individual cells such that it still makes sense when you see it from all these different perspectives it's amazing
2: that's cool i wonder if someone has made like a 3d model of this i've seen like digital models mm. that people made of other kind of fictional cities and this would be a great right. one it yeah, would, there's, yeah
1: yeah there's definitely enough information i think in the, a lot of the, the background scenery that you could mm-hmm. put it together and make it logically make sense yeah
0: yeah and it's not even just the city. It's the topography as well. You know, we see a lot of landscape here and a lot of coastline.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: This whole, the whole thing is just beautifully done. Uh, and, and even when you go in, uh, even closer, you've got interior design. You've got exterior, you know, architectural design. It's just really, uh, it's just amazing putting this whole thing together and making it look and feel real, which it does. You really feel like you're in this, this, uh, this town, this city. So she's on her way to drop to to deliver this this uh cat toy uh and this is where she comes uh, she meets Ursula. Now Ursula becomes a kind of a pivotal figure um later on in the movie. So as we kind of go through I want to I really want to get on to kind of Kiki's journey, right? Which is I guess what this movie is really all about. Um kind of like I said earlier, it's not there's not a lot of witchcraft in this movie. It's really kind of very grounded and and it's really all about this 13-year-old's coming of age. Um, And I wanted to try and kind of, um, try and pinpoint where this all starts um, and where, where Kiki really kind of starts to kind of slump into what eventually becomes kind of a depression. And I kind of touched on it earlier. I think when she first lands in the town, she's got kind of a bad vibe. Um, but she kind of shakes that off, you know, when she gets to a Sono and she, she lands on her feet with the room and, she, you know, she's got a kind of a, a surrogate families put in place. Um, but I think it's really when um, when a Sono gives her that errand to to deliver something and, it, and she ends up have, delivering it to Tombo. Tombo's like, oh, that's my name. And she I, I noticed that she leaves Gigi behind because Gigi, as you said, it, Jamie is starting to kind of have this relationship with this cat next door, mm-hmm. this this beautiful white female cat.
1: Lily! Lily.
0: And so Gigi, she kind of leaves Gigi behind. Um, and I kind of just think maybe that's the beginning of the severance of their kind of witch and familiar relationship.
2: Hmm. 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 <laughs> so you're you're saying that like Gigi is the one who's driving it, really?
0: I'm like, not sure. It's a question I've got for you guys, yeah. and here's the here's the question. Here's the big question I think of this movie. Right? Does her depression, does Kiki's depression, mm-hmm. come from um this kind of growing up and this separation from between her and Gigi? Uh, is that is that is that what leads to her depression? Or is the kind of separation and this kind of severance of this relationship, um, does that come from the fact that Kiki is kind of losing her way? Which, Which kind of drives the other is, I guess, my question.
2: Or maybe Gigi just realizes that she's growing up and doesn't need him as much.
0: Well that I guess is part of it and we we're, we're going to get onto this the the end scene and how and the difference between the Japanese original and the Disney dub which I think is really, really it's really key point uh, but we're not quite there yet but mm-hmm. the the way that Miyazaki um, wanted it done in his original is that in his original language version is is that it's all about Kiki's growing up and the and the way that she grows and develops is a it, it happens naturally that, that her and Gigi kind of go separate ways. Um, the Disney dub kind of takes it a little bit differently, but to in if that's the case, and if we're going by what Miyazaki kind of I guess wanted, then to me it's it's more of a natural thing, and and but but the but the fact that it's happening maybe leads to Kiki getting depressed. Mm. among other things and you know she kind of and, and that maybe is leading to her kind of her powers fading a, a little bit and lack of confidence whereas um, the the other way to look at it would be that um, that it's it's the depression that's and it's the lack of confidence that's driving it rather than it happening as a natural kind of thing I'm not am not sure I'm necessarily really expressing this quite succinctly as I was hoping to <laughs> So I guess the all right it's, it's a simpler question where where what do you think triggers um Kiki's slump into depression where does it come from
2: I think it's growing
1: up I don't know maybe that's too <laughs> I,
2: abstract <laughs>
1: I have a very different thought, but it's very much from like an artist's sort of perspective. So if you mm. want to go first, Jamie, I think you should go first. Oh, no, I, I'm saying <laughs> unless-
2: like legitimately, I just think it's that she's growing up and she's like developing more complex emotions and seeing her expectations have that things are not living up to her expectations and trying to deal with the reality of that. So you go ahead, Crystal.
1: Okay. Um, My impression from it which when I've talked with some of my friends who also really love Kiki is we view her journey as a journey of burnout. Hmm. So when, you know, Kiki's starting on this journey where she has her expectation versus the reality, her expectation of like, well, what am I going to do? I'm a witch. I have to do something. My mom makes potions. That other witch I encountered, she um, does fortune telling. So what is what I do? And the only thing Kiki can do is fly. And she derives great joy from flying even though she's kind of not that great at flying too i always mm. like how everyone hears the bells when she's taking off because she's just not you know the best
0: the learning bells yeah the learning right. bells and Training so bells.
1: she gets to the city and she's like well that's the one thing i can do is i can fly so she starts the delivery business cuz hey it's the one thing she can do and she can do well so she does the first delivery you know taking the stuff gigi toy and she has a mishap. She loses it in the forest because of getting mm. caught by the wind and then the crows get all angry cuz she crashes mm. into the tree next to their nest. Mm-hmm. Total freak out. She goes back, finds Ursula, fixes all that sort of stuff. She's like, "Okay, that was, you know, a little bit bumpy, but things are fine and she still enjoys flying." Well, then the next one is when she has to go help deliver the herring and pumpkin pie. <laughs> pie. From, from the old woman.
2: <laughs> yeah, Sorry. but she,
1: yeah. So and disgusting. so she's like she goes there and everything kind of takes longer because Kiki's a genuinely kind and caring person, and so yeah. she does all the extra chores and such, and it keeps yeah. making her late. And then the storm comes in. Yeah. And she's like doing all and striving through it, and then she gets to you know the gets, house and gets it delivered because yeah. she's just sopping wet, and everybody's miserable and Shiji's miserable, she's miserable. She delivers it, and the girl is she delivers it to is huffy with oh, her, because she's like. Grandma sent me one of her stupid herring and pumpkin <laughs> pies and she's t-
3: and I, I think her
1: yeah and I think what strikes Kiki is that she just spent time with this girl's grandmother and got mm. to know her and then mm-hmm. sees like the just position and even Gigi comments I can't believe they're related. And then she's like, so she's doing this and you see her too. Like, I know in the meantime, she was like weighing that guy's super heavy package and taking it up the stairs and doing all this stuff. And she's just pushing and pushing and pushing, pushing, doing the one thing that she can do well, which is flying. Then Hmm. she gets sick. So she has mm. to take time away from that. She can't go make deliveries. She sometimes has a little bit of a slump in deliveries. There's no business. She sees people that she's worked with before, but they're still not there. And so she, when she does get work, she's doing it, doing it, doing it. Push, push, push. Where she gets to a mm. point where she just can't push anymore. She, it, It breaks her. Mm. And so she has that moment where she... When, you know, Gigi's been running off more because she's just feeling bad. She, everything's happened, And she notices she can't hear Gigi. And then she's like, oh no, my witch's power. And then she goes out, you know, to try to fly and can't. And what gets me, what to me is heartbreaking is when she goes out and does it and she ends up breaking the broom.
2: Mm-hmm. Because yeah.
1: she's trying and forcing it so hard to make mm-hmm. it work that it just can't work. You can't brute force your way through it. So she's, she basically, to me, encounters burnout where you are pushing so hard beyond your limits because you have not taken time to rest or reflect or to recharge. And so mm. she falls into a depression because of that. That's why she's depressed is because she has been working so hard and burning the candle at both ends that she just loses what's important. Like for her, flying is what was special and she carries it in her heart. And then she loses that and breaks it. And she's like, How can I get that back? And for me as an artist, when I was younger, like Kiki's age, making art was like breathing. It was just so easy. You just sit down with a blank piece of paper and a pencil and you don't really care. You just can, like for me, I draw. So it's like, you just draw all this stuff. Draw, 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 draw. But then you get to a point where you start learning more about things and thinking about things and how can I make this a job and what do people like about this and what's the aesthetic and you start going down this path and you get to a point where you're like if I'm not drawing all the time if I'm not working all the time if I'm not producing all the time nobody's going to notice me nobody's going to see the work I've done nobody's going to do it and it actually gets harder and harder and then you start leading down to the path of burnout because you're constantly working all the time Mm. and not relaxing recharging reflecting Mm.
0: So is, it, just, is, it, is it a confidence thing as well
1: it can to me lead into confidence because you get to the point where you're like well I must just suck because I can't mm. do it look at everybody else just doing it so easily like everybody else knows I think that's what Kiki I think sometimes I think that's why Tombo rubs her the wrong way later is and his friends especially when they're down on the beach when mm-hmm. she has to make that delivery and they're down there and she just sees like all these people, and they seem to know what they're doing, what's going on, and they're having a good time. And you just hit that point where you're just like, I can't have this good time with people because I'm not as good as these people. I don't know what I'm doing. How did do they right. know? And you just like, yeah, mm. your confidence just gets shattered. And I can see why she wanted to leave because as a person personally who does struggle with anxiety, and it sometimes can lead into a depression, That I'm like, I wouldn't want to be around Tombo and his friends either because it just <laughs> makes me feel like, Oh, I'm just like this terrible, awful, you know, stick in the mud person. I don't want to be around me either. I'm going to just go off mm. somewhere mm-hmm. because and she's so self conscious myself- yeah. about
0: it, right? Like she's she's because she's different to that, to all those kids, yeah. And I think she's so self conscious about kind of and and they're all kind of callous and they laugh and, and you know they, they they kind of laugh in a mocking way when she runs off and it's like that's got to hit the confidence as well,
1: mm-hmm. yeah. And that's, for me, is the thing is that Kiki's suffering from burnout. She just hmm. doesn't know what to do. And the burnout leads into anxiety and depression. And she's like, and doesn't know how to see a way out. Mm-hmm.
2: So
0: then, so then, you know, filtering that into to my earlier question, all these things that kind of happening sequentially to her that leads her to this, at the same time, well, so is it a coincidence that at the same time, Gigi is kind of going off on, on Gigi's own path and becoming kind of less associated with her from a magical perspective because ultimately kind of regresses into just being a regular cat. Is that a coincidence? Is that just a timing thing? Or is, is, is actually, is, is it Kiki's depression that is, that is accelerating that or leading to, to that kind of tethering being, being disrupted? I mean, there's no answers. I guess yeah. It's <laughs> yeah, I'm just thinking whatever you think, right? There's no answer. Yeah. But that's what Gigi does, isn't it? Gigi's kind of just becoming a regular cat, and I, I don't know. It's, it, it's inter- It's this is part. This is, I guess, why I love this movie so much. Is because it really is. It's not about a witch at all. It's just about this girl, mm-hmm. and it's about a journey that she goes through on her own in this new town. And it could be just about a regular girl. It's Miyazaki kind of putting this, putting us in the, you know, he makes it a witch. He makes her a witch because that's what he does. And that, you know, that adds layer, another layer to this movie. But it could quite easily be like an Only Yesterday where it's just a normal person in a normal town going through a similar kind of thing.
1: Mm-hmm. I guess so, but- I-
0: Mm, sorry, go on, Crystal.
1: Oh, yeah, I was going to say, in regards to Gigi, I guess I kind of see him more as sort of, like, a barometer of where mm. Kiki's sort of emotional, you know, sort of state is and where she is between, like, her burnout and depression and such. Because when she was feeling good, and even when things were kind of, like, she had a little bit of trepidation and maybe a little, you know, a hiccup here or there, she can still communicate with Gigi and they can still have, you know discussions between each other and in a lot of cases I sometimes wonder if Gigi is just kind of her own mental sounding board like maybe Gigi never could talk it was just her sort of barometer to gauge like how she was feeling mm-hmm. and the more she started slipping down the more she started being even like maybe disconnected with herself and realizes oh gosh I'm I'm losing the thing that I really like which in some cases probably more about herself like losing the parts of herself yeah. that she she likes and doesn't realize that are special to her until they're not there anymore.
0: Right. Or until you get someone to remind you of what those things are in the shape of Ursula. Mm. Yes. Who turns up at exactly the right time uh, for Kiki and, um, and, and takes her back out into the countryside. Come and stay with me. Sort yourself out. Um... But she does it in such a in such a nice way. I mean, it's it's never overt that what she's doing. Mm-hmm. But I think my take is that Ursula knows exactly what she's doing, and exactly what Kiki needs, uh, and she provides that.
2: I thought Asano might have written to her or something. I don't know how they know each yeah. other, but maybe she seems it's- to turn
1: up so perfectly on time. Well, Ursula yeah. came into town to restock on supplies and. When mm-hmm. Kiki had been there, I th- since Kiki cleaned up like Ursula's like whole cabin, because if you realize the toy falls in like the midday and it's like evening by the time she goes and rescues Gigi. I'm that's like, that's terrible. half a day. <laughs> what did you do in these four to six hours of, you know, cleaning Ursula's, <laughs> you know, cabin? They it's must very dusty. Talked- yeah. Yeah. Well, they pulled everything out, and she's scrubbing those floors, so right. I like to think that they talked to everything, but Ursula just happened to be in town for supplies, and I think she maybe was mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm here. I guess I'll go say hi to Kiki's." because I think there's a line where she's like, well, you didn't come to me, so I decided to come to you. Mm-hmm. Well, I really did need supplies, too, but I decided to come yeah. by and say hi anyways. <laughs>
3: mm-hmm.
1: But yeah, she does show up, but like this, the sweet, sweet spot where Kiki really needs her. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah just at the right time so off they go mm-hmm. um and it's quite a fun it's quite a fun little hitchhikey journey, <laughs> a few minutes journey into the countryside is uh i mean Ursula, to me as i said kind of i think knows exactly what's going on here i think she gives kiki exactly what she needs um a bit of empathy a bit of uh a bit of sympathy a bit of uh, you know this kind of happened to me too Example, it's not you know you're not the only one going through this sort of thing you know for the first time, mm-hmm. um, and and I I wonder how far you can take that because I wonder if this this beautiful painting that Ursula's painted was actually ever supposed to be Kiki, but when when Kiki comes back, whether she just kind of uses that painting as a tool and says oh yeah I'm glad to hear because I couldn't get this face right now you're here I can make it look like it was supposed to like you she goes wow is that supposed to be me so you know what do you need you want you want to boost your confidence mm-hmm. here you are like I, I put the I put you in this painting did you really I don't know I mean maybe she didn't all along <laughs> but she's just like this is an opportunistic thing for Ursula if she if it was it's so brilliant.
2: skeptical Neil
0: <laughs> I know but it's in a nice way because it's like well you know she's just kind of coming up with things on, on the fly to boost Kiki's confidence. It's all altruistic. It's all nice.
2: How many other young, discouraged girls has Ursula brought back to her cabin and told <laughs> this <laughs> painting is <isn't> her? <laughs>
0: Do you think that painting never changes? It's awesome. <laughs> She's had the
2: painting for like 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I really like the kind of like women's mentorship part of this story. Right. Um, I've been a mentor of a high school girl for four years now at a local mm. school, and I love doing it, even though she's really different from me. It's just like so great to see her not like struggle, but to see her like growing through things that happen to her and right. how she's changed over that time. So I just I love when there's like a big sister kind of feel to mentorship.
0: Yeah, it's nice.
2: I I'm sure boys
0: can have it too, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I think it's more complicated
2: <laughs> fair enough.
0: But yeah, I, Ursula's solution ultimately, I guess, is uh is you know, just you know, relax. Build build the confidence again, but but relax. Don't like don't overthink it. You know, this, this is na this will come naturally to you and it has done, right? Like the I guess we're talking about the the, the flying on the broomstick thing. Um, and she kind of says, you know, just like, just if you stop really thinking about it and if you stop trying to do it, it will, it will just happen. And it doesn't quite pan out that way in the movie. It takes an event for her, for Kiki to kind of just get a kick up the butt and for it to happen again. But I I do think Ursula was would have probably been ultimately correct as well. It would have... Get get a confidence back, and then just you know, just don't overthink it.
1: Yeah, I think it's too like just time flows somewhat oddly. I feel like in the movie, like I mentioned before, like when the toy falls and she goes and you know saves Kiki, uh, Gigi. Mm. When Kiki goes and saves Gigi from the the house where he's hiding, Mm. um, who knows how many hours pass and like how long does kiki stay with ursula in the cabin in the woods hmm. we know at least a night but was it more than that or you know longer because i will say too yeah i think ursula is like a great like woman mentor i like though that she does try to describe what to me is part of the thing for like trying to deal with burnout is just don't do it she tells her she's like well just don't fly for a while Mm -hmm. Go and walk and look at different scenery. Read a book. Just, you know, do other things. That way, yeah, you don't Mm -hmm. have to overthink it again for when you want to go and do it. Because that way you're not forcing it. Because she was forcing it so hard. And I will agree. I feel like the way that the movie kind of wraps up that like, oh, we got to have a, you know, climax here (laughs) in the third act. Yes. What's going to be? Kiki has to fly. And I'm like, you're kind of spoiled. Spoiling the earlier message of take your time, relax, <laughs> yeah. recharge, learn what it is about uh-huh. what you like to do because yeah, um, I know people talk about like writer's block or artist block. Like there's times where I sit down and I have like all these ideas and I write things down and then you have the blank page and you're like, what am I gonna draw now? And you're like, I don't know, and then the page stays mm-hmm. blank. <laughs> So like Ursula like uh, like her saying like I don't know what I was gonna paint for this painting but then you inspired me and it's because I think Ursula was doing what she was saying, she was slowing down, she was looking around, she was taking things in but not always just pouring out, because you can't if you're if you're totally rung out you can't ring out anymore mm-hmm. even creatively you have to have time where you look at other things and a lot of people like go to nature to look at things and take it in and I think I I, I am the ever hopeful optimists where, yes, the, the the painting is Kiki, that yes, <laughs> Ursula really was inspired by her, but she couldn't remember know. all the, but she couldn't <laughs> remember all the details of Kiki and just wanted to draw her too. Because I will say as an artist, there's certain things that you, I, I, you you can remember certain things, but there's other aspects. It's like, no, it's always that question. It's like telling people like, well, draw a tree. But then you're like, no, no, no really draw a tree if you really want to draw a tree go outside and look at a tree and draw from that that's going to be your most thing because we get weird pictures in our head Mm -hmm. and that's how i kind of felt like with (laughs) ursula is that she had an idea of what kiki looked like but she couldn't quite remember and if she's working Mm. in oils she's fine she can repaint over that face 50 bazillion times and you would not know
0: (laughs) see exactly
1: (laughs) but but she's doing it to correct it not because she's like oh you're the next you're the girl. wanting girl who needs you know help i, I feel like S- ursula is much more genuine to th- than that and wouldn't it just I be agree. like i have yeah. this this painting tucked away just in case for yeah. whomever Right.
0: I, yes I, I agree I she, it's me being silly. I just I thought maybe it was just an opportunistic thing not that she's got this painting just ready in case you know when the next girl comes along in the woods but she just she had this painting and she's she, just you know it occurred maybe it occurred to her on the way back home oh I, there's something I can do with this painting I need to I need to boost Kiki's confidence how can I do that well I've got this painting that I could just pretend was supposed to be Kiki <laughs> Anyway, I whatever she does kind of works um, mm-hmm. or is, is on the way to working, I think. But then, as you say, kind of events overtake uh, and we get into the kind of third act, the action act, um, which uh, which has this dirigible.
2: I have to agree with Crystal. Question. I think that the end of the movie just feels like very tacked on and goes against the things that Ursula was just talking about.
0: Hmm. So okay, so if it wasn't then done in this in the way that it is in the movie, right? We didn't have this action-packed dirigible scene.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: How would it end
2: this
1: movie?
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. That's a good question.
1: Yeah, I. Part of me would like to go back to the original source material since it is an adaptation of ideas from the original novel. Mm -hmm. But I have not read the original novel. I I think I have learned recently that I think there is a translated English version of the novel. So I was Mm, like, oh, I should go and see if I can't find this so I can look at Mm -hmm. it. But it's probably a lot more calm where Kiki probably follows Ursula's advice and, you know, goes, you know, does walks around town like you know hangs out with people you know helps out asano a little bit more maybe at the bakery because asano has her baby and such Mm. like does some stuff where she kind of like just sort of bees herself around other people and then Mm. one day where she's just like feeling good she's like oh i'm gonna you know i need to go fly somewhere and she just gets the broom and it's not even thinking about it she just has to like you know, Asana's like, oh, we have to get this to someone. Or maybe it's, like, a, a re-delivery to, like, the old woman because it's the old woman's birthday because they talk about how she wants to know when Kiki's birthday is so she can make her a cake and vice versa or something. And she's just so excited that she just grabs the broom and takes off.
2: Yeah, I like that mm. idea. Like, she, she kind just of did... forgets. You know, she yeah. stops being self-conscious right. and then is able to just have her powers back.
1: But I, I get why it's there, too, because it's movie- you, you I, I, this is mm-hmm. my thing sometimes I feel like some <laughs> Miyazaki films kind of like we gotta have this dramatic third act what's the action we can pump in here there we go and it's like it's uh, a flying yeah. machine gotta have a flying machine <laughs> gotta have flying box, in there yeah. somewhere gotta have Pick. cleaning in there somewhere mm-hmm. gotta have nature in there Weird check food. check check
0: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. pumpkin and
1: herring pies I, I get, Jim and I, I have found a recipe for pumpkin and herring pie I, I oh, kind of want to make it just to see how it is
0: <laughs> no thank you
2: if you can it find sounds... herring in Colorado I'll try it oh yeah that's
1: that's the hard <laughs> thing most <laughs> things are like if you can't find herring try another soft fish it's, or uh, something like cod that's not going f- like, f- <laughs> to be
0: fresh herring Yeah, I would be suspicious yeah. about any herring that turns up in Denver
2: <laughs> you might call it a red herring
0: <laughs> oh indeed We'll just
2: make it with trout. How about trout? Yeah, we'll that's trout our, our native
0: pumpkin. fish. <laughs> right. I. I mean. I. I. What I. I guess is. Is good about the third act is it's quite short. I mean it's yeah he you know, it, it doesn't mess yeah. around. It's 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 uh it's pretty punchy. What what I like. What I also think maybe this is me kind of. Reading too much into this conspiracy theory we've got going on, between Osono sono and Ursula. It's, I think the old ladies are in on it as well because mm. it's just a coincidence that when Kiki's ready to go back to Asano's place she's like oh but on the way can you stop by the old ladies cuz they've got a job for you and it's mm. like you know obviously they're cooking it out cuz the old ladies have all there is is that they've baked her a nice birthday cake or a nice cake that says Kiki um so that's like another like nice kind of confidence boosty kind of look there are nice people in the world these are your friends um and you know you are loved, and I think that helps, and then obviously then she sees the on the t v the action of the dirigible and 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 that just snaps her out of everything it's just a it 's like an acceleration mm-hmm. of what might then have or have happened otherwise it's just you know bang she 's like tombo's in trouble he's my friend i've got to go rescue him and I think it works it works as an ending for me it's uh it, it would have been interesting to see without this event what would have happened to Kiki and to Gigi, um, but we don't get to see that. What we do get to see is this little five minute action pact. And for me, the really interesting um, artistic choice that Miyazaki makes in this act, in this final set piece is is that there's no music for a good portion of it. when When, when Kiki arrives on scene, borrows the brooms the broom the, the 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 brush the street the what do you what do you want to call it uh, uh, broom it's like it's the on. yeah
1: like it's a street sweep brush street pretty much yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> which is obviously not something that witches fly on but she's like eyes it up and it's like well that'll probably do the job <laughs> um, and then when she grabs she get she grabs it and gets on it there's no music and it, and it would have been very easy I think to make the artistic choice of like right okay Joe Joe Hisaishi let's have a big kind of like score coming up building up here and she's soaring at the sky but it's there's nothing it's just her and the wind and the sounds of the people that kind of like and even they're kind of like in a hushed silence while they watch her do this Mm -hmm. so i really like that it's a really nice touch i think
2: yeah it's interesting it's like uh in the last jedi when holdo pilots the ship through snoke's ship and there's like seven seconds of silence as you see the ship fracturing apart Excellent use of silence yeah. in a film that would normally be very scored.
0: Maybe uh, maybe you watch Kiki's Delivery Service.
1: I assume that was the inspiration.
0: <laughs> I it must be. It must be.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't think I ever noticed that the sound, like the that like the soundtrack itself, like the music, you know, dropped out. And now that you mentioned, it, I'm like, oh yeah, it is. I think what what I kind of like too is Kiki. Yeah, like he's like, okay, I gotta go save my friend Tombo. And just, the part that I don't like is I feel like she's having to force herself to find the thing that Mm. she lost originally in that moment. But what I do like is that she finds it because she's like, I want to do this for my friend. But I also want to, but I want to do it for myself too because it's what I can do to go help my friend. But she's not very good at it still. Like, when she takes off, her flying is poor it's kind of erratic it's kind of all over because i think it's like she's she's kicking off the rust she's trying to you know get back on the saddle and try again to fly Mm -hmm. and so like her her flight you know is erratic and everything she's fighting the broom but i feel like it's her trying to kind of fight with herself which is why i kind of feel like the message Hmm. of like take time relax help recover from your burnout is kind of like well when the chips are down you gotta really like push through it and it's like we just mm. talked about not pushing through the burnout because yeah. that's just going to make it worse and hurt you still mm-hmm. instead of but I still like that even though they kind of went that way it's still not perfect like she's still not she's still having a struggle she's still trying to get there and do her best but it's a struggle but she's I she's always, doing what yeah, she can
0: I, I always kind of thought I, I, that's an interesting point because I hadn't I thought about it that way I always thought that the struggle was just because it's a, a street sweepers brush and not like a witch's made broomstick. Oh, she's just like she's like this is like it's gonna be hairy this ride, but it'll do the job.
2: I I thought that it was because she was kind of refinding her way.
0: Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Maybe it's a bit of both. Yeah.
1: yeah. I I can see like it could be. I can see how it could be read either way in the text. Honestly, because of the way they set both things up, it's like. Hmm. Is it just because it's like, oh, it's magic. And because it's magic, she can just imbue everything. But certain things, like, I think that's why she, her mother gives her her old broom. I mean, that's a good connection Mm -hmm. to, like, where Kiki was and how she was. But then she ends up breaking, she breaks that broom. She has to make a new one. And it's still in process at that point of time. Because we see her crying, you know, making a new broom handle. and That always makes me sad. sad. Yeah, it's
0: a really (laughs) sad scene. Yeah. Yeah. Really sad scene yeah um so that kind of is I guess the end the end of the movie what one I, we, we need to talk about kind of how they treat these differently across the um, the two versions and and this goes back to what I said earlier about what Miyazaki wanted to happen in this story um, which was that um, that that Kiki in her kind of in her development, she kind of grows out of this connection with with Gigi the cat her familiar cat um and and in the in the in the original when uh when she lands she saves Tombo and she lands in the crowd um and we, and we see Gigi kind of running through the legs of the crowd up to Kiki jumps on Kiki's shoulders we get what we've heard Gigi, what we get what we've heard from Gigi for the last kind of 45 minutes, which is cat's meow, mm-hmm. like a normal cat's meow. Uh, and that's it. Um, in the Disney dub, they choose to insert a line. So it's Phil Hartman is the voice of, G- of Gigi. I guess we can talk about the Disney cast in a sec. But Phil Hartman, they introduce a line when, when Gigi's coming through the legs of the crowd. Um, which, which has Phil Hartman saying, uh, what does he say? I've, oh, I wrote this down. Where's my note? Where's my note? Um, <laughs> he says, uh, he says, like Gigi, where are you, or something like that. Anyway, um, he, there's there's an added line, and then Gigi scampers up on Kiki's shoulders, and then we get a meow, but it's not Kant's meow. It's Phil Hartman saying the word meow um in, in in his human voice. So in the Disney dub, his his voice, his human voice comes back, or Gigi's human voice comes back. Um in the original it does not and it stays gone. And to me that is such a fundamental difference, just done by this one change by Disney. And to me that just completely changes the relationship and the nature of the, la- the relationship between Kiki and Gigi. And it tells me that in Disney's version, it was always just a temporary thing. And it kind of went with the depression and then came back when she got her confidence and her magical flying powers back. And so does Gigi's voice come back. In Miyazaki's version, in the original, it's gone. So it's all about this growth in Gigi's, Gigi's uh, and Kiki's maturity. And Kiki's, Kiki matures out of that more childlike relationship between her and the cat and that's gone forever. It's so different, and it's just it's an interesting choice. What do you guys make of that?
2: Uh, I feel like the Disney version was trying to pull a punch, to be honest. Mm. But I'd love to hear yeah. Crystal's thoughts.
1: I can throw a wrench into it. There's actually a third, a third take, if you want to say now. Um, Disney doesn't have the distribution rights any longer to a mm. lot of Ghibli films. It's G-Kids. At least here yes. in the United States, mm-hmm. um, I have the G Kids Blu-ray collect Blu-ray DVD disc. The English dub now still has the Disney dub, but that line that Gigi says is actually just a normal cat's meow. Now it's not the <gasps> Phil Hartman meow. Oh my god! Yeah. Now it, and they, and changed they have it back. They, they've changed it back, they and they've done this back. with other stuff because. Another favorite of mine is Castle in the Sky, Mm -hmm. or Mm. Laputa. Um, I still kept my original Disney DVD, and I have the G-Kids Blu-ray release. And the reason Mm. why is when I went and saw, they they did a re-release of it in the theaters. And I bought the G-Kids one shortly after. And then I realized when we were there, because my friend, we were like, I told him, like, this dub is different and she's like what do you mean I'm like they took out a lot of weird incidentals Hmm. so like where there's a scene where the miners you know are protecting um, Shita from Mm -hmm. the pirates and they're having the muscle off where they're you know ripping their shirts with their muscles (laughs) I love that scene and they talk about watch the buttons one and a two and a three and like the shirt rips and all the buttons pop off Mm -hmm. those Mm -hmm. are incidental throwaway lines those don't actually exist in the Japanese script at all Mm. They took them out of the English dub, too, when G-Kids re-released it. There's other parts where Shita and um, Patsu talk about, like, his birds when they're, like, flying over. And she's like, oh, your birds. And he's like, they'll be okay. Well, in the G-Kids one, they took out all that. It doesn't exist in the Japanese original audio. And so in the, mm. the English dub, they took out all those incidentals. So it's just a nice, quiet moment of them watching the birds fly uh, over. There's not that... nice. Oh, we got to put in this line for the kids because the kids will understand that the birds can take care of themselves or something and i think that's why they did the phil hartman meow is the show like oh kiki's all back to normal mm-hmm. and for me i'm like it's one of those things again she's suffered like she's had some she's gone through burnout she's had depression she did this thing She's she's on the right track. She's gonna start getting better. Cause you see in the, like the ending credits that like she's flying around again and she's flying yeah. really well and such, but you will never go back to that state you were in the beginning.
0: Mm-hmm. That's right, yes.
1: And so that, so with Gigi just meowing like a normal cat, I think she has like, and she, I feel like she kind of always looks sort of bittersweet when her and, you know, Gigi kind of rub cheeks together. Like she's happy that he's there. And she's—I think she's happy that she flew again and and whatnot. But she knows that it's never going to be the same. Mm-hmm. Mm. That 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 there's been a shift inside of her and her relationship with Gigi. And again, it's one of those things. Like somebody else pointed out, they're like was Gigi ever talking to begin with? Right. (laughs) Was this all her, like, sort of, like, internal monologue that she pretended that Gigi would talk to her? And Mm -hmm. that's why Gigi was always the pessimistic voice, like, always like, are you sure you want to go do this? This doesn't seem like a good idea. And she's like, no, this is a great idea. We're going to go do it. And even (laughs) if it doesn't work out, at least I did it. So it's like, Mm -hmm. I don't know if that's we can even say that Maybe Gigi never really was talking to her. Maybe that was all of just her talking with herself and Mm -hmm. trying to figure that out. And then she realized she's not that, yeah, not that child anymore. And she's growing into an adult. And that's Mm -hmm. why there's that shift.
0: It's all in her head. And you see, Jamie, you you thought my uh, Ursula theory was (laughs) skeptical.
2: I I feel like it's part of (laughs) a long tradition of- um, I like it. You know, like a imaginary friend and- Mm-hmm. There's so many stories, which obviously I can't think of any good examples right now, but so many stories where a kid has an imaginary friend and then at some point they, you know, are changed by life and aging mm-hmm. and the imaginary friend is no longer with them.
0: What would be a good one? BFG's BFG an imaginary friend or is BFG actually real?
2: That's a great question.
1: <laughs> I can't remember. It's been so long since I've actually mm. read the big friendly
2: giant
0: yeah yeah well i mean yeah i i much prefer the kind of original and the development of the maturity of the character it it is definitely a pull punch by disney i don't know why they felt the need to do it because it it was surely a nuance that didn't really affect massively the audience that Mm -hmm. they felt the need well we can't have this we have to you know, make this all nice at the end. Gigi must come back. It's like, come on. Yeah. But yeah, the, interestingly, Netflix here in the UK has all of the Ghibli movies, and the um, and they have the the Disney one with the Phil Hartman voice coming back at the end. They haven't. They don't have the fixed G Kids version. <laughs> they have the Disney dub. Uh, yeah. Dodgy version. Yeah. So I got to see
1: what it is on here because for at least streaming in the U S it's on HBO max has all the right. Ghibli. It's the Disney films. one. That's the one I watched. And Same it has okay. the I'd have to ask my, <laughs> my, my brother because he's the only one I know who has access to it. And he's been slowly right. watching him and my sister-in-law have been watching through the films. Cause my brother's never watched it. My brother always made fun of me when I was, when we were younger. Cause I loved, you know, watching, well, I still love watching anime and whatnot. Mm. So he's like, why are you doing this? And now he's like, I get it. I was like, "I'm glad you finally came around." Like twenty years later, but you're here now, so that's great. Yeah.
0: That's, yes, you made it. You're a little late, but it's fine. Yeah. So, Crystal, do you have a do you have a favorite of the Ghibli movies?
1: Don't ask, Everyone asks me this, and I just like I can't.
0: got to pick one. You got to pick one. No, you don't have to pick, pick one.
1: Okay, I will say the one that will always hold a special place in my heart to begin with would be princess mononoke but that was because yes. i get to see the original u.s release in theaters when it first came out mm. brilliant and it and it blew my mind it was me and my best friend samantha from high school we got dropped off we went and watched it it was us and one other person in the theater and the other person he left 10 minutes in what? oh wow oh yeah wow. like when the first um when the first uh, no like good. sort of like when the boar <laughs> god attacks and he's like you know basically corrupted when he was running wow. through like the scenery that's when the dude left and i was like dude you're missing out on a movie I, so that movie will always like i had never seen a movie like it no at that point in time so it just floored me but i really i will say to me i think spirited away is probably miyazaki's magnum opus i will mm. agree on that i have a soft spot for kiki it's my husband's favorite film, and so I like mm. watching it together with him right. because it's his favorite. I love Castle in the Sky a lot. Again, it's one of my other friend's favorites, but when I watch it with her, it just fills me with such joy, too, that I just mm. can't, like, I, like... I'm all... Ponyo, I love watching Ponyo, but again, it was a, the experience. I saw it at a film festival in Auckland, New Zealand that was, like, this two-story theater. So there was, like, an mm. upper balcony and a lower... Nice. The place was packed. There was not mm. an empty seat, and it was the original Japanese with you know English subtitles, and everybody was just laughing and awing, and just mm-hmm. it was such an experience. And I'm so glad that I had that. So th- th- those are the things for me. Mm-hmm. Also, Porco rosso but that's just because I will say the d- good double hover mm-hmm. is that. Watch Porco rosso then watch Casablanca.
0: Ah, <laughs> yes, my favorite that one, Poco
2: didn't neil didn't you at one point want me and pete to record a podcast about casablanca with you
0: we did yeah that was yeah. one of the ideas we had wasn't it yeah
2: i'll have to yeah, watch casablanca what... i've never seen it
0: maybe we should get pete to watch poco rosso you know and you casablanca yeah. and then we'll have a we'll have a chat about it, the two of them yeah That'll yeah interesting. jim and i just too.
1: happened to watch the movies that way back to back when we were in new <laughs> zealand through their like dvd mail service and so we're like I was like, these strangely fit. <laughs> That's really
0: interesting. <laughs> yes, it is. Oh, there's a lot. It's, you know, it, that is definitely right. It's, it's massively influenced by that.
1: So it's I don't cool have a favorite cool. film. I have lots of things That's that a- I like. Like Hal's. I love Hal's, but I also feel like Hal, just at least the Miyazaki version, I'm like... Where are mm-hmm. you going? What are you doing? The first half of this movie, I'm all here for just the domesticity of cleaning <laughs> castles right. and hot pretty boy wizards and talking fires. And then <laughs> we devolve into the second half. But yeah. I don't care. <laughs> yeah.
2: I- Listeners Save of the it, show Jamie. will find out that Owls is not my favorite. So.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, do... You- do you like the the voice cast that Disney put together?
1: I think they're fine. Like, this is one of those things, like, me and my friends always have this sort of discussion. I, I will watch either, you know, dubbed or sub. Mm-hmm. I will watch the original Japanese with subtitles. I will watch the English dub. That does not, you know, bother me. I know some people are very particular. I usually watch mm. dubs, yeah. but that's just because <laughs> <laughs> I'm usually trying to sometimes, like, I'm working on art or something, and I still want to participate. But I don't know the Japanese language well enough to, you know, listen to it on. I've, I've not taken Japanese right. classes. I'm not my friends. A couple of my friends, they've taken classes. They understand Japanese. They can put it on and understand. And I'm like, I can't muddle through, you know, the thing. So that doesn't mm. bother me so much. Particular people, I never felt like anybody felt to me like re-watching it. I watched it here again with the dub. I'm going to say nobody feels like they stand out to me, but nobody feels like detrimental. It's not like one of those voices where I'm like, what was the voice director thinking with this casting or these Mm. particular acting cue choices in the direction with stuff? Or I never felt like the script was too off base from the original Japanese, which is good because it's always that thing with adaptation is... I don't want a literal one for one translation into English because then it just it doesn't, it doesn't flow work. well. Yeah. It, doesn't it doesn't work. work. It, yeah. it just it, it's clunky. It trips over itself. You're like, "What are you trying to get at?" Mm-hmm. I
3: would yeah. rather
1: have a decent adaptation to get at yeah. least the feeling and the theme across, which to get me, me is more gaming
0: in to to write it for example.
1: Yeah. Yeah, like Princess Mononoke flows really well. I've I've even sometimes subtitles have to go that way uh
0: yeah i don't want to get
1: too off topic but like there's a particular anime my husband and i watched recently that it works really well because they whoever they had on their translation staff for those Mm. episodes they knew how to write well especially because there's a lot of like japanese rapping sections wait
0: which one is it
1: um it's called odd taxi it is a, oh, um, hmm. yeah, it's, it's it's a series. It's only 12, 13 episodes long as anime is now. And mm. it's about a taxi driver who looks like a walrus <laughs> and his sort of day-to-day interactions with a murder <laughs> mystery.
0: <laughs> That's wow. very highly good.
1: rated. I, I highly recommend <laughs> it. I really do. Like, it was the breakout hit that I'm like, nobody's going to watch it because it's not the big shonen blast. It's... Hmm much more subtle and it has adult characters. I, I'm gonna always scream <laughs> about that. I, I'm too old now. I'm pushing 40 and anime stays 15 and I keep getting older.
0: <laughs> so, I mean, Phil Hartman's casting is, is often kind of um, controversial. People either seem to love it or hate it. Mm-hmm. Um, Jamie, where are you on Phil Hartman's casting?
2: Um, when Gigi first talked, I was very surprised. But it won me over, except for the mm. meow at the end, which I think should mm. be omitted. But um, it, it really won me over, especially thinking of it the way Crystal described it as like the voice of doubt in her head. I feel like it really, he really plays that well.
0: Hmm. Did you listen at all to the Japanese originals?
2: No, I should have done that. It's, um, it's very it's different, act-
0: right? It's, it's an actress mm-hmm. called Minami Takayama. Who is um, well known as being one half of the Japanese electric pop duo, Tumix, (laughs) and you can find uh, the odd Tumix song on uh, Spotify. So go check out uh, Minami Takayama. But then, but so Gigi has a basically a a female voice. Mm -hmm. Uh, She doesn't put on a male voice. I mean, Gigi is, I guess, a male cat because we do see that he has offspring with a female
2: cat. Right. I was going to say do <laughs> they make Lily a is Lily still a female cat in the Japanese
0: version? I I think so. I mean she just meows. So right. who knows. Um but I think she does have the appearance of a female cat from a cartoon perspective. <laughs> right. But I mean, you know, Cartoon cat gender is not my uh, expertise. <laughs> I could be wrong.
2: I mean, honestly, real cat gender is not my expertise.
0: So. <laughs> Crystal, are you okay with Phil Hartman?
1: I'm fine with him. Like, I, I'm yeah. not going to say like he doesn't deter me at all, but I'm not okay. going to you know sing the praises or you know anything right. like that. Like, because it was like Kirsten Dunst. I think she plays. Is, she's is, kiki. is, is, she, is she Kiki? She's I, I like. I think she's you know. I feel like Kiki's a young girl with her, so I feel like, you know, that's good, and she doesn't feel like she's stretching too hard. I think the only one I sometimes, you know, don't exactly like might be Ursula. Mm-hmm. But I think it's she mostly because it's, it's, it's hard to place. It's one of those things, too, with Ghibli characters, too. Sometimes it's like, how old are these characters? Like, is Ursula meant to be, like, 23? Because mm. her look to me sometimes, and some of the lines she says makes me think like she's, In her 30s like she's pushing 40 she's she's been around the block a few times but Mm. sometimes when they get younger people it's like I don't know I kind of imagine this character is a lot older even when I was even when I was younger I was not a kid when I actually watched Kiki's for the first time I Mm. I missed that boat so (laughs) I was not my cousin who was five and thought she could fly on a broom it was very cute
0: Um, I have to correct myself um, before we get uh, listener hate mail because um, it's actually it's Kiki that's played by Minami Takayama. Uh, Gigi is played by Rei Ray, Ray Sakuma, who is a, a female actress. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was correct in that it's a female that plays Gigi, uh, but just not the one that I said. So Minami <laughs> Takayama, in fact, plays Kiki and plays Ursula.
2: Oh, interesting. So there you go. Interesting. Interesting.
0: Yes. Yeah. Um, but I thought I would correct myself, having just looked at the Wikipedia um, before I before I we get any hate mail. <laughs> Please don't hate me. We just got it wrong. Um,
2: we, we don't become a large enough podcast to receive hate mail. To
0: receive hate mail? You got it wrong, Neil.
2: Yeah, exactly. Um,
0: we have um, we have some admin just to get through. Uh, before we wrap this one up but before we get on to the admin do you guys have any uh, any closing thoughts or any further thoughts on the movie that we didn't get to talk about
2: um, I don't think I do I said Jeff the dog is the true hero in my notes
0: Jeff is great <laughs> isn't he what a name for a dog as well that
2: is a great dog name
0: if I get another dog I'm going to call him Jeff <laughs>
2: <laughs> even, if it's a,
0: even if it's a girl dog
2: yeah, that's
0: fine. <laughs> she won't care. Why not? Yeah. Um, right, well, so and on the admin side, Crystal, we've got a few bits to cover. I'll talk you through them. Okay. Um, now, now, Ruben's not here, but one thing Ruben does do, he's a very generous chap, Ruben. He likes to buy me a present for each episode that we record, uh, and he likes to make that present an original animation cell from the very movie itself that we're talking about. Which is a very nice gift. So, oh. uh, we've got four so far. This is the fifth. This is our fifth uh, movie. Now, would you like to have a little guess at how much Ruben is going to have to pay for an original animation cell for Kiki's Delivery Service?
1: Um, I'm going to say at least two thousand because I have seen original Miyazaki's sells at my local convention and depending mm. on what movie it is and what the shot is how clear the character is etc 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 they did have one there that was over two thousand dollars i think it was from mm-hmm. castle in the sky and it was a very nice big clear shot with the with a background lovely so <laughs> If if you get something smaller of a minor character that's receding into the distance, you might be able to get away with a, a few hundred. <laughs>
0: right, right. But a good one, a nice one. Yeah. Well, I'm. Uh, you know, I'm going to insist that Ruben gets me a nice one. You know, like I don't right. want just some. Like, I'm going to say between fifteen hundred to something. two
1: thousand dollars.
0: Yeah. Okay. Jamie, what's your guess?
2: Uh, I, I mean, I assume that Crystal is going to be right because I have mm-hmm. nothing to go on. I'll I'll go a thousand.
0: Okay. Well, I, I did find one in um, in Great British pounds. Uh, so pound sterling, Ruben's gonna have to pay out two thousand five hundred and thirty four pounds and ninety two pence. Wow! Which is getting up to about three thousand U.S. dollars, isn't it? Yeah. Um, if he wants to, he can also buy me an original movie poster uh, from nineteen eighty nine. Uh, if he wants to do that, he's gonna have to fork out about four hundred of your U.S. dollars. Which is not an insignificant wow. amount of money. Uh, it's a gorgeous poster, though. It's the, it's it's the po- it's Kiki kind of head in arms on the counter of the bakery with all this beautiful bread in the background.
2: Mm.
0: Uh, that's that's the shot on the poster. It's, it's very nice, very interesting choice for the movie poster because it's obviously it's a point where she's quite low.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But I just think the the aesthetics of the bread make it work.
1: Yeah. That's one of my favorite shots from the movie, honestly. It's lovely. It's gorgeous.
0: Mm -hmm. Now, Crystal, are you familiar with Paste Magazine?
1: Paste Magazine? No. No one has
0: heard of it. magazine, (laughs) I love how Jamie gets tickled by this every single time. (laughs) Because you always ask (laughs) and no one has heard of it. Well, we shall see. We'll see. We'll see if anyone's heard of it. uh, It is a magazine, and they do have uh, an online... um, uh, version of their magazine, and they did put together a top one a list of top one hundred anime, um, of which many of the but not all of the Studio Ghibli's feature. Um, so far, we've done uh, we've we've recorded four movies. We've talked about four movies, and I'm going to tell you where they where those four came, so you can get a little little barometer, a little you can get a little feel for where Pace Magazine's putting these movies. So, Nausicaa. Pace magazine put in at number 24 in their top 100. Uh, one of your favorites, Laputa Castle in the Sky was down at 37. I'm sorry to say, Crystal. Um, the Grave of the Fireflies, a lofty number three. Uh, and then My Neighbor Toro, number nine. So based on that, where do you feel that Pace magazine has uh, inserted Kiki's delivery service in its top 100.
1: Hmm.
0: Now Jamie, you don't remember when where you guessed the first time we recorded this. So this is another <laughs> question for you as well. Do you want to go first and give Crystal a bit of thinking time?
2: I actually wrote it down. So Did I know you? the answer. You, t- you yep. looked at your notes. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> you know right, the, were you... the
1: correct answer. I trying could... to gauge like I'm trying to gauge like story-wise if I think that it's more solid than Then laugh you to because I'm like, are you either going to go higher or lower than it? Hmm. And I'm almost tempted to be like, Jamie, hint. It is. is, is, Wait, wait, don't tell me. It
0: is either higher
2: or lower than Castle of the Sky. I'll tell you that. It
0: is one of those two things. It's not the same. It's not the same number. It is
2: not 37. Why did you write it
0: down? You wrote, so when we were recording the last time, you actually typed and wrote down the right number.
2: I have a little notepad thing called ranking, like rankings. So I have the letter grade that I gave and then the number that paste gave it to.
0: Wow, you're keeping track of the paste numbers as yeah. well. Not just the grade, right. no. Fair enough, I, fair enough. I, fair enough.
1: Right, I'm going to say uh, 45.
0: 45, right. So you're going slightly lower than I'm going to go slightly lower. It was, it went, they went the other way. Um, and Kiki's came in at number 31. Thirty-one. Okay. So you were you you had just about the right delta, but you, you they went the other way. Yeah. Um. Now, um, we uh we're getting on to the whimsy scale now. The Whimsy scale, uh, the scale of the amount of whimsy in the movie, or from being zero for zero whimsy all the way to ten, uh, which might be a giant bus that's in the shape of a cat, for example, that might get you a ten, um, where. Where do you... Jamie, I'll go to you first for the whimsy okay. scale. Don't look at your old notes. Just go I and, didn't write go that you one down, feel. actually. Wow, you're not keeping track of the whimsy scale. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't know. Um, I don't know what I'm doing so now. So where, where do you feel like this comes in the whimsy scale, then?
2: So I actually think that uh, you guys have convinced me to change my vote a little bit on that. Because um, I think the film is actually dealing with some pretty intense themes. So I'm hmm. going to give it a 7.
0: Wait, so where were you before?
2: I think I was higher before because I was thinking of it more as like a pretty straightforward coming of age tale.
0: Hmm. Okay. Okay. But I do Do think that
2: having a little, little fish and pumpkin pie is pretty whimsical.
0: No, it's pretty whimsical. Okay. Um, do you want to know what you gave it the first time we recorded?
2: Yeah, sure. Did I give it the same grade or something?
0: You gave it a seven.
2: Ah, that's funny. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay <laughs> that's like consistent
1: consistent
0: yeah. yeah yeah there you go but uh, I, we'll I guess we talk you down from a higher number yeah there.
2: maybe just talking to you this time i like feel like i've seen more depth than it so that's
0: good that's a good thing mm-hmm. i'm glad that we we had that um crystal where where are you going to put this on your whimsy scale
1: i i'm kind of there with 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 jamie like to me it's a, a seven like hmm. i think it's more like for me there are like those sort of magical elements with, with make, making Kiki a witch. That kind of it's like it's not mundane, but also it's. I think just because it's so pretty that I can let other things slide and be like, oh yes, this is hard cottage core. Even when we're in town, <laughs> everything's just pretty. It's and that you know up some mm-hmm. whimsy for that.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, nice. Right, a seven. Um, now, just be, uh, just because I have the numbers in front of me, Ruben gave this a five. So we'll see. Uh, stay tuned for Ruben's thoughts on this. We'll see if he also gives it a five, listener, uh, or if he changes it. Um, I gave it a four last time, and I'm sticking with my four. Um, it's For me, this is mostly a real-world setting with normal people and normal physics. Um, but with the kind of layer of witchcraft laid over it, and that's about it. I mean, for me, there's not a lot of extra whimsy above that. And and even, even that layer of witchcraft doesn't actually have a lot of witchcraft in it. Mm -hmm. Uh, it could be a lot more. Um, and, and even that it's kind of normalized because everyone in the town kind of is perfectly fine with the fact that there's this witch flying around, um, so it does get an extra point for the dirigible, which is just in itself a whimsical kind of thing. Um so I, could, I probably would have been a bit lower, yes.
1: No, I, I agree with that. Like <laughs> to me, flight stuff is very romanticized and a lot of especially Miyazaki yeah. aimed. I was about to say
2: to tell that films. to the victims of the Hindenburg, but you're right. It is very you know, whimsical.
0: They went out in a in a memorable way. They I mean, did. you know, people are still kind of remembering these people or <laughs> talking about it. It's true. Um, so I gave it a four. Um, hmm. it, final piece of admin, uh, of course, is our school grade. Crystal, we, we grade all of these movies. We use the U.S. school grade uh, system, which I'm sure you're familiar with. A to F, no E. For some reason, you guys don't have an E. I'll never understand that. <laughs> Because um, E stands for excellent,
1: we got to skip that one. <laughs> who knows, right? Yeah. It's just
0: um, where. So, over to you first, Crystal. Um, what grade are you giving Kiki's delivery service?
1: I think Kiki for me is definitely a solid B.
0: Right. Okay. Solid B. I like it.
1: Yeah. I. I would nudge it up a little bit higher if the i feel like to me like i mentioned before if the message was a little bit more on point into like the third act but i understand why things there are there from like a filmmaking point of view Mm -hmm. but i like i still think it has a good message i still like the characters i still like the setting even at this point in time the film is like like over 30 years old and still holds up and still looks good. and still has something to say even now. So mm-hmm. I think it's very solid.
0: Excellent. Yeah. It's a, that's a good grade. Jamie, where are you at? Where are you on your grading?
1: Well, last time I gave it
2: an a minus. Um, mm-hmm. and I think, I think I'm still going to go with an a minus. I really like this one. It's one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the art is very beautiful. I love the story. I agree that the end doesn't really fit, but it's also just really fun. So, you know, to see her rescue Tombo. So yeah, I'm going to give it an A-. I do have one final question when you're done giving your grade, by the way, Neil.
0: Okay, right. Uh, Stay tuned for that, listeners. Um, Now, I... um I originally gave this a, a B, a solid B and uh, you know, a little, a little further peek behind the curtain listeners. When, when, when we're recording this, we've already gone as far as recording all the way down to Ponyo. So we've had, there's a lot, there's a lot under the, in the tank, there's a lot under the bridge, so to speak. And through that journey. I've come to appreciate this one a bit more. And so I'm amending my grade away from the B to a B plus. And that doesn't sound too dramatic, but it is in the context of the scores that we've given, um, without giving anything away, because you haven't heard any of these, the, the, the future episodes that we've recorded so long. <laughs> um, they're they're pretty tight it's pretty tight so i'm i'm giving this a a b plus which for you guys listening to this puts it exactly smack bang alongside my neighbor tutorial which i also give a b plus Mm -hmm. um and i think i'm happy with that i think that's about right i think looking back from where we are having recorded ponyo last week um, uh, that's where it should be for me to and Kiki as good as each other. So I'm happy with that. B plus. <laughs> 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 there you go. Uh, um, here's go my, then,
2: my thing is that on Twitter a few weeks ago, I saw someone ask, what's the best piece of art that is inside another piece of art? Mm. And the painting that Ursula made was by far the most popular answer.
0: Really interesting, right? Okay.
2: Um, yeah, I, I can't think of a better one. So,
0: Right. The, the other the possibility I had was uh, <laughs> I love
2: the song Black Sheep and Scott Pilgrim, which is actually a Metric song, but it was made for the movie. So,
0: A song? Is that counted as a piece of art? Yeah, do they I... not mean a do they not mean an actual painting
2: or oh no i think they meant any kind of like art that is seen as art within the work In of the... art
1: art that's diegetic
2: yes thank you that's sort of what diegetic, diegetic oh, art
0: okay But i, th- right, I so thought it... it was
2: interesting that ursula's painting was like far and away the most highly voted
0: mm. one yeah i'm racking my brain to think uh
1: I maybe should have given for, you some notice on this.
0: Thanks for putting us on the spot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I,
1: I think this is a very interesting question, like uh, observation and question because I'm like, I think Ursula's painting's like okay. I am I, I like the creativity of it, but I'm not <laughs> if I was to pick like something that's diegetic of a piece of art that's in art, like a film or something, that mm-hmm. is what I would be like And I'm like, that would not be my first pick. I don't Mm -hmm. know what I would think they'd be like, oh, yeah, it's a good blend. Like when you mentioned the metric song, I'm like, it really works well in Scott Pilgrim, especially with like how they film that particular scene, especially Mm -hmm. if you look at the longer, you know, take of it and such. And I'm like, yeah, like this this feels well for the film. Like it, it fits really good. And so I'm trying to think of something too. And I can't think of anything off the top of my head. I'm like,
0: I got an answer.
1: Okay, go, Neil. I've got
0: mine. I've got mine. My, run, my runner-up is, uh, is, is the, the clay work in the movie Ghost.
2: Oh. Because she's, yeah. she's, a, she's, a she's
0: a potter. Okay. That's a good she one. She makes lovely pots and yes. vases. Mm-hmm. But my favorite is, and we don't meet the artist, but it is a piece of art in a movie. And if you've ever seen the, the movie Beverly Hills Cop, <laughs> you will know that Axel Foley <laughs> visits an art gallery. Okay. In Beverly Hills, an avant-garde art gallery, in which he had there's a there's a large white table, with plates, at each place setting with that rotating with a decapitated head on top. Uh, all very nicely artistically done, of course.
2: Are they real decapitated heads or sculpted? No, they
0: are. they they're not real. Okay, decapitated. That would be a bit.
2: <laughs> but, I, right. I didn't know if this was like a murder scene or something
0: <laughs> no no this is just a piece of art and, okay. and these these heads rotate these like porcelain heads or whatever mm-hmm. rotate and there's these spectral things sitting at the the table and that's that's the artwork that's you Google would have this. that if you if you had a mansion in beverly hills mm-hmm. in the 80s you would have this as perhaps a centerpiece <laughs> of one of your large rooms I don't know if it's an effect it's probably not an effective dining table in its own right. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a piece. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's, a, it's a discussion piece. Right. Where your friends would come over and you would dis- you would introduce them to this piece and then you would discuss it.
1: <laughs> Crystal, yeah, have you thought of my, any? Oh, gosh. I I'm stuck on things that just more like I'm like I got stuck on this and it's more because of like it's a creep factor to me, mm-hmm. not because I think it's good, but I'm stuck on um the, was it Vigo the Vigo painting from Ghostbusters 2 because oh. I was thinking of art within yeah. a thing and I'm like oh <laughs> that's a painting and it's a, a it's
0: a great they probably painting. actually
1: painted it and it's you know indicative of the particular style and you know time they were invoking but also I'm like I don't like this piece of art but my childhood brain is stuck on it because man mm. did that movie scare me as a kid because I saw that the summer it came up out in the the, the drive-in theater so
2: yeah uh, I feel like the dance that opens Temple of Doom in the club in Shanghai oh. would be my childhood mm. version of that.
1: Oh, that that was mine too. Um, the original Tim Burton Batman. I also saw that one as a child when mm-hmm. it first came out. I was seven.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, they go to the art gallery, don't they? Yeah, they
1: mm-hmm. go to the art gallery. Um, okay, Prince. I will say the Prince soundtrack for the mm-hmm. original Tim Burton Batman movie. I always liked the music as a kid, but I didn't realize it was because the whole soundtrack is basically from Prince. Oh. It wasn't until I was an adult that I was like, oh, these are all Prince songs. So I re- watched the credits and I'm like, I get it now. <laughs> this is why I liked it. <laughs> like, I didn't know at the time that why I liked it. I just like, this music's cool. All
2: right. Well, thank you Excellent for coming up with choice. answers on the spot. I appreciate
0: it. <laughs> What's your favorite Uh, art in art listener tell us what you think Uh, yeah um crystal thank you so much for being with us today to talk about kiki's delivery service
1: thanks for having me and letting me ramble on about things that i like which is art (laughs) animation and being an artist so
2: (laughs) crystal you should tell us the link to your etsy store
0: yes
1: i would but i'm only shipping in the u.s well, that's okay. That's okay. Um, US um, listeners bas- can. Yeah. Yeah. Um, basically, if you look up Fern and Foil, so F E R N and Foil, F O I L, as in like a sword, you will hmm. find my stuff. So I'm Fern and Foil on Instagram, Twitter, my Etsy shop, my website. That's everything is under that.
0: <laughs> fern and Foil. There you go. Uh, and I had a little look before we started recording. It's uh, it's lovely stuff. It's uh, I like the little um, the little scenes in in bottles.
1: My, my terrariums. Yes. Yeah, yeah,
0: they're fantastic. They're very whimsical, in fact, uh, quite uh, Ghibli inspired at all. Or is Ghibli inspiration for the, any of your
1: artwork? Um. I have lots of inspirations, but I would say like it probably subconsciously comes to me because of all the detail and like the forests and the nature Mm. of it it and such. And I just like something too that's small that I can keep on my desk that my cat won't eat.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. I like the suits of armor as well. They're pretty cool.
1: Yeah. And little
0: coats of arms and such. Yeah.
1: I've always liked, um, I'm old school, so like video game manuals. I always loved oh, yeah. cracking them open as a kid and they show oh, all the items yes. and stuff, which they don't do anymore. And no. so those are all like, to me, those are the starter sets for particular D&D classes or just tabletop role playing classes in general. So you have your, your fighter and your wizards and your knights and such. And so yeah. they're all little things that, like that. I like those sort of like lived in details.
3: <laughs>
0: Excellent. It's great stuff. So please, please listen to, uh go check it out. And if you're in the States, click on uh, Why Not Buy a You. And uh, crystal ship them out to you. Uh, you. You'll have your very own piece of uh, crystal art. Um, come back next time, listener. Thanks, Jamie, for being here.
2: Of course. See Thank you, you Neil.
0: See you, you're welcome. See you next time. We'll try mm-hmm. and uh, we'll try and resurrect Ruben from his um, watery grave or wherever we. We'll
2: pull him out off. of the bushes, covered yeah, in raccoon know. fur. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Try and peel them out of the, the, the testes. <laughs> the raccoon dog. <laughs> scrotal sex. I don't
2: remember. I think Pompoco is after Kikis, so.
0: It is, yes. But yes. the listeners know the deal now. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you've got to look forward to, listeners, in a few episodes' time. Yeah. But do come back, uh, dear listener. We'll see you on the next one, which is not Pompoco. It's not quite there yet. It is, in fact the wonderful only yesterday and we'll see you then bye. bye bye all right so welcome back everyone so this is just a little tag on to the end of the episode because we found reuben he didn't uh he didn't die after all Yay! Uh, he was he was just hiding under the stairs we managed to coax him out with some jelly beans Hello. and uh and here he is he's back we found him um so a little, I guess, a little peek behind the curtain because we we recorded these episodes a little while ago. Now um, it's taken us a little bit of time to get our stuff together on the post production, but you know that's moving along nicely. And you guys have got a few episodes to listen to now. Um, and we've reconvened, rewatched the movie, and we're here to get Ruben's thoughts. So Ruben, uh, I don't know if you want to just pitch in with any overall thoughts, whether you liked this one or you didn't like this one, or uh, how do you want to, how do you want to play it?
3: Yeah, I'll I'll just, so actually I, I tried to do myself a favor and I did not listen to what I originally said or like the original kind of um, podcast we did about this because I didn't want to mm-hmm. sully my thoughts and opinions. Um, right. So. Here's my thought note. I when I listen when I watched this again, I watched it about a week ago, rewatched it. Um and I'd seen it in theaters I think a year prior to this as well because I believe it was in theaters um nice. as well. I I was kind of struck with the this this overwhelming feeling that the movie was a little sad. Um and I can't really explain why because it is the plot is not sad. Um the events of it are not really sad and maybe sad's the wrong word but there it's it's this kind of story of of you know you're you're leaving your hometown where you knew and grew up and you're going to a new place and she's confused by everything she has to start all over again she doesn't fit in um she kind of loses her powers um and has to try to find them again um and i think that the thing that, that struck me the most is it wasn't kind of like a Disney-fied... She got her powers back and she's stronger than ever and everything is fine, you know? Mm. It kind of ended on a... Well, she managed to save this this kid, you know? Uh, what was his name? Tombo. Um, Tombo, yeah. So she managed to save Tombo, um, but she, like, barely did it, you know? She was hardly controlling her mm. broom. you know? She could barely, like, fly. Um, you know, it wasn't this heroic, like you know, defeating everything and now everyone's cheering for her and everything. I know the in the credits, mm. you know, you see kind of like she's flying around and everything, but I did get this sense that it it felt more realistic, you know, because it kind of reminds me of um, you know, like it reminded me of moving to New York. Like, you know, I'm from mm. I'm from I grew up in DC. I, I and the same feeling I had when I moved to London. Um so you go to this place and like by the time I had lived there a year in both of those places, I felt more comfortable and I felt like I was a part of the city, but I wasn't like conquering New York or conquering London or like, you know, in charge of everything, you know, I Mm. felt that I was kind of like acclimated and I still, you know, I am sure this is how she felt at least maybe that's what I got from the movie was that she felt like she had become part of the city, but like, you know, you're you're not. I, I got the feeling that she was maybe kind of a big deal, or her parents were kind of big deals, her mom was kind of a big deal where she was from. And like she's just a part of like a, a larger society now, you know? And in a way that's sad, but in a way I feel like that's just more what real life is like. I, I mentioned to my wife while we were watching that it it was this is not a Disney Fied movie, you know, mm-hmm. in many aspects. Like the plot, um, it's not Disney Fied in the sense that the The characters have actual human body proportions, like the older ladies, like actually look like older right. ladies. They're a little stooped, you know, they're not mm. skinny. They're not like comically proportioned, you know? I, and I really appreciate that, you know, like they move slower, you know? It just, it feels more real. And I feel like that's so important, you know, in, in the kind of the way we view the world. And that's one of the reasons I love these Studio Ghibli films. And I love Miyazaki because they feel like, the, the storylines feel more real and they feel... They 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 show a more true version of what I think the the real world is actually like. Well, okay, yeah, it certainly doesn't
0: it doesn't shy away from the human emotion side of things. Mm-hmm. This movie, you know, yeah. it, 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 we deal with loneliness, we deal with depression, mm-hmm. we, the need to feel wanted and useful.
3: Because when she loses say... her powers, that's what it is essentially. It's like it, it's kind of a a proxy for being depressed, right? You know, her her cat stops talking to her. Gigi stops talking to her. You know, she gets mm-hmm. down in the dumps. You know, and we, we all get that, like, man, I hated New York for a while. I mean, I, I left it eventually because I hated it so much. But anyway, um, <laughs> you know, like there's that feeling of what 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 am I doing here? Like, what on earth? Like, why have I come here? You know, and I feel like that's explored really well um, for a large part of the story.
2: I really like that. That's like such a different reading than I had on the movie, but I really like it because I was just like, oh, this is straightforwardly a tale about puberty and about growing up. And the reason why she loses her powers is because she's not a child living in a magical fantasy world anymore. But I really like what you said, Ruben. I like your interpretation (laughs) a lot. It's, It's more interesting than my interpretation,
3: so maybe I'm reading too much into it. I I don't know. But, but I mean, you know, films are made to, to like, and I'm pretty sure um, Miyazaki said this in the documentary that we're supposed to imprint on them. Like what we mm-hmm. like, it's supposed to be what we feel, you know? Um, Cause yeah. they, they are kind of vague films. All films are a little vague and I like films that don't spell everything out for you because they let you kind of uh, assign meaning to them, you know?
2: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's a, a really good thing about the Ghibli films is that, they aren't hitting you over the head with like, here's the moral of the story. Mm. The villain's gonna sing a song about it now. So,
0: <laughs> not enough <laughs> villain songs in Ghibli movie. I could maybe, use more
2: villain songs, but <laughs> maybe both of
0: your takes can coexist. Maybe they can both sure. be be correct. Because she, did, yeah, she, and... I mean, she is going through it kind of a puberty, uh, mm-hmm. and and tangling with sort of those those emotions too, right?
3: Yeah. And and like she, you know it. I think we've discussed this with other Ghibli films. Like you, they mean different things to different age groups. You know, Mm -hmm. they're made of, you know, a child can watch this and be like, like a little kid can be like, ooh, magic, a talking cat, fun. Mm -hmm. A teenager could watch this and be like, oh, this is about, you know, like going through puberty, you know, and being sad growing up. And then I can watch this and be like, oh, this is about like moving to New York and like everything sucks, you know?
0: Yeah. Um, So Ruben, what did you think of the voice what did you think of phil hartman
3: oh god i can't no just that's gonna be a no for me dog like no no right? i don't i don't mm. like it it's not for me i feel like i feel like it needed to be more higher pitched i listened to the i, I watched a chunks of the of the japanese version and Gigi mm-hmm. is voiced by a female um Correct. voice actor um And it's more high pitched and it's how I imagine a cat talking. I do not imagine a cat talking like Phil Hartman. If Calvin opened his mouth and Phil Hartman's voice came out, I would run very far away.
2: Ruben, (laughs) can you do your cat voice for us, please?
3: I don't do I have a I don't think I have a cat voice.
2: Well you said you were imagining a cat voice, so I would like to hear what that well, sounds like. I don't to you. I
3: don't know. It just it just wouldn't be fucking Phil Hartman. You know, <laughs> like you're gonna need a beep there for that one. Sorry. Um but yeah, it's um, been a few
2: years since we recorded the other episode. We've all grown up and learned swear words now.
3: So <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it Phil Hartman just wasn't doing it for me. The other voices I thought were were good. I liked them, but I did not like Phil Hartman. The selection of Phil Hartman as as the 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 voice of Gigi, yeah. And look, as we've gone uh,
0: through, we, I mean, we've finished recording all of the episodes as we're recording this, and so you guys have the benefit of of now having seen them all. Um, and this was the first one that Disney dubbed as part of the fifteen year deal, uh, and I do find that they eventually sort of found their feet. I mean, as obviously some are better than others, but. Maybe this was just sort of of a little misguided misstep in the first one. Because I don't think there's another example of a Phil Phil Hartman type casting. Yeah, who was the voice?
3: Billy Crystal was the voice for uh, Calcifer, Calcifer? right? Mm -hmm. That's right. Which I think works. I think that works. That works, yes. Like if if you cast Phil Hartman as the voice for Calcifer, I think that also would have worked, you know?
0: Probably better than Um, this cat, yeah. Maybe. Yeah, better than this cat.
2: We haven't talked about it, but um, I saw the subtitled "Boy and the Heron." But I know that Robert Pattinson is the heron in the uh, dubbed version, right? And I've heard he's really good. But I would love—did either of you see the dubbed version?
3: I haven't seen it at all. I haven't seen any version. Okay, yeah. well. All right, we'll
2: talk about that later. Robert like, Pattinson
3: is so hot though. So, he can do I know. no wrong. H- also, hot spoiler right, get away with I'm a lot. not gay and I think Robert Pattinson <laughs> is so hot. He,
2: he, he can speak to sexuality. me.
3: He can speak <laughs> to me in that British accent whenever he wants. Like, yes, please. I would like some more.
0: Well, I, I'm excited to to wait to get to the recording of The Boy and the Heron. Uh, excited to find out
3: if the
2: Heron is sexy in the Seems this going to be some,
0: uh, i might need some more um some more <laughs> bleeps for that one <laughs> so we um we we've not got your grade officially ruben do you want to uh let us know what you're going to grade this one
3: yeah i would i would i would grade this one i i would say an a minus it's it's really well done i think there are layers to it and mm. the the layers i i, I kind of Learn more each time I watch it, I guess, is what I would say. I I really like it.
0: A minus, love that. Yeah, guy. that same is exactly the same as Jamie's grade. And I'm just looking at this because that's off the back of an A minus for Laputa, mm-hmm. an A for this is for you, Ruben, an A for Grave of the Fireflies, and an A for Tutorial. That's a strong strong it's a strong
3: there. strong start until we get to earth mm. i don't remember what i gave earth all i remember is that <laughs> i i didn't finish it because i couldn't yeah. finish it that's in a little bit though yeah, yeah that's that in we'll a little save bit. that one yeah. for, the, for yeah. the listeners yeah um
0: okay Neil,
2: mm. was this on the list when we did the podcast that's like the three films in a row for miyazaki do you know what i'm talking about
0: don't think i know what you're talking about
2: didn't we do a podcast with someone else where they do three oh. great films in a row by a director?
0: Uh, we did. We did the Quad fact. That's a four in a row. Four in a row. Uh, there with, we go. Thank with, you. Uh, with John Ingall yeah. and Mitch Bryan. Um, go and find that on the Alien Minute podcast feed. Mm-hmm. Um, and they they run, run that show where it's, uh, yeah, they're looking for directors who, who make four truly great movies in a row. And I think we successfully argued that Miyazaki mm-hmm. has. Yeah, a quad factor in um in in Latin, in I think we went um, I think it was Totoro, Kiki, Pocahontas, Mononoke, but then I think you can carry on and go Spirited Away, hows mm-hmm. and then How's Moving Castle and Ponyo I think it's maybe falls falls yeah. over there yeah uh, but I remember Mitch Bryan loved this one in particular because yes. I think I think we were going to argue that it started at uh totoro? At totoro
2: yeah
0: i can't remember now it's, it's gone a few, a few it, years back for that one as well ago. isn't it <laughs> but yeah i think we yes, did. Ki- we, we said
2: kiki's was on the list of four great films in a row where,
3: where did yeah. this land on the uh paste magazine list Huge question <laughs> are, are
0: you, does that mean you're now officially recognizing the
3: the, well, I have a friend that paste writes for Pace Magazine, or you hired one of my friends <laughs> and paid them to post as if they were a writer for Paste Magazine.
2: That seems more likely. That's raise your answer.
3: So I put this back to you
0: then, Ruben, because I don't answer this question. You that's guys that's do. Right. Jamie already has in the in the episode. <laughs> what? Where do you think it came in? Paste Magazine's top 100 anime.
3: Uh, I would give it a 53.
0: Well, it came in at
3: 31. Oh, okay. Better than I thought.
0: Uh, All right. A, a little ahead of um Lapuda and slightly behind only yesterday.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So there you go. And then on the Whimsy scale, where are you putting this one on the Whimsy scale?
3: Uh I'd give this one a five on the Whimsy scale.
0: Yeah, and I was a four and Jamie was a seven. So Jamie, um, I think you're the you're the outlier there. Except uh, in fact, in fact, Crystal also gave it a seven. So
2: we'll let you off. Yeah. We'll I let mean... you off for that one. It's about a girl who's a witch who can fly (laughs) on a broom who has a talking cat and meets a magical lesbian. So that's pretty whimsical (laughs) to me.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Okay. All right. Fair enough. Well, any other final thoughts, Ruben, or does that sort of sum it up for you?
3: No, that kind of sums it up. That's my, that's my take on the, on the film.
0: Great. You're a big fan of it. Yes. Awesome. Right. Well, uh, thank you very much for reconvening guys. And we'll see you listeners on the next one, which is only yesterday.
2: Bye. Bye. Bye.